right, good morning, everyone. Um, good to be with you this morning. Um, before I start, I just want to uh, give a personal um, thanks to all everybody that's been praying for Tricia. She's doing really well from her surgery, um, recuperating very quickly, which is great. Um, so just wanted to say thank you all for your prayers and those of you that are bringing things in. Really, really do appreciate that. So, um, this morning I want to um, share with all of you, I had another double dream. And here, here over the last month and a half, I've been having a lot of these where the same dream, or it's very, very similar, has kind of been repeated to me on several occasions. And I, I, and I was thinking about this, um, I can't ever remember a time where I've had so many double dreams over the last three or four months. Um, in fact, I can't remember. You know, it, it will be random, maybe once ever so often. But this this um, last six months or so, I think this is like the third dream where it's been repeated. Um, and this particular one was, um, according to the title here, was not very pleasant. Um, and I'm not going to go over all the details of, of both of the dreams, but one, the first one happened about approximately maybe a week and a half ago. That's when I was away, and um, I was with my family, and it might have been during Thanksgiving time. But um, that night I had a dream, and, and was in the, it was in a teaching environment that was very— the initial word that kept coming to mind was hostile— um, unpleasant, those types of words. And uh, no matter what I tried to do, I could not get myself out of the environment. And really it was the, the atmosphere of where I was teaching. And I knew it wasn't just about me. And it was about, it was about us. And then when it was repeated a couple of days ago, I knew that this was something that I needed to share but I really didn't have any kind of a um, that in this dream there was no scriptures coming to mind other than the word teaching teach and teaching is how I kind of started to study and I really didn't have a as I looked at things it really didn't seem to come together so initially I was thinking well maybe I need to set this aside but nothing else was really coming to mind at that point so over the last few days I've just been kind of thinking about it and you know, pulling up word search, and uh, by the way, word search is pretty much history. It's been transferred over to Logos, uh, the software. So if you have that, you can still use the program, but you'll need to transition. So I started looking into word search and uh, typing in the word teach and teaching, and it's really all over the place. But then I just had this dawning of um, look at the life of Jesus and see what type of environments he was teaching in. And so that kind of helped me solidify how I needed to kind of study and different things I needed to look at. So what you have in front of you is a New Testament, really the, the Gospels uh, uh, of different places where teaching and teach is used. Um, and there's really no... Um, I mean, obviously, when you're, when you're teaching, that's, that's a verb type thing or uh, something you're actively doing. So what I did was I just began to look at a lot of different places, and I was, I was trying to hone in on, 
on instances where Jesus was encountering a uh, an unpleasant environment, and I think I'm thinking, okay, I know I know that's going on in our nation politically, but spiritually, what does that mean for us as a people? And um, before I get into that, one of the verses that came to mind uh, that we're all aware of is is in Isaiah, and I, and I want to read this in Isaiah 60. It says, "Arise, shine." For your light is come, and the glory of Yahweh is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord, or Yahweh, shall arise upon you, and Yahweh's glory will be seen upon you. And we've heard this, and, you know, pastors taught a lot about it. Others have taught. Um, but, you know, the emphasis here that I, want to, that I felt very strongly upon, and this is, this is not any kind of revelation, but gross darkness is covering the people in a very, very prominent way. And that, I mean, Isaiah prophesied it. I mean, it, you know, and I know it has other implications as well. But the enemy would love for us to focus on the fact that gross darkness is cover, it's covering the earth and it's covering the people. What darkness covers the earth, gross darkness the people. And it it's definitely has that gross-like feeling. Um, you know, when you think about all that's going on, and I know there's a, this is not going to be a politically driven message, but um, I know you guys have been listening to the news and, you know, all these different lawsuits are going on and all the different shenanigans that are happening <laughs> with what currently is going on in our country. And, you know, the Lord is over all. I mean, he is not, um, things are being exposed, and we don't know the outcome yet. I mean, I, I know, um, you know, the media has already declared who's the um, president-elect, um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know how things are going to pan out. I know how I would want them to pan out, but I don't know. I am, I am not going to stand up here and, and say yes in the next two months so-and-so is going to have an additional four years. We'll see what happens. Um, but gross darkness is definitely there. Now, what's interesting, and Pastor's taught on this, and he's written a lot about it, the, the, the darkness covering the people is Chosak. And the gross darkness, oh, that's the earth, sorry. Chosak covering the earth, that's the Hebrew word there. But the, the gross darkness covering the people is Arafel. And it's this loom gloom type thing that just kind of covers the people. And the enemy wants us to kind of focus on, on the darkness and focus on all oh, everything is just, you know, not going to work out. But what we really don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on Yahweh arising upon us. Yahweh's glory being seen on us. And then if you keep reading down through here, like in verse 4, he's telling us to lift up our eyes. There's going to be people that are come to you. Sons are going to come from afar, and daughters shall be nursed at thy side. And so I'm bringing this up because this is obviously something that Isaiah prophesied that is very unpleasant. It's an atmosphere. It's, it's grossness. It's darkness. It's gloomy. Um, but we need to focus on 
what he prophesied, and he said, the plan of God is going to arise upon us. Yeah, the plan uh, that, that also partners with the glory of the Lord is going to be seen on us. And then he, he, Isaiah mentions this nursing. Uh, people are, it says daughters are going to be nursed at your side. But if you look at the word nurse there, nursed is Ammon. That's interesting. I, I never really looked at that, that, worst, that word nursed and, and even thought it would be focused to Ammon. So I believe that during this time where Chosak is covering the earth and then you've got the, um, the gross Arafel darkness covering the people, we have, we have Yahweh's plan rising upon us. We've got his glory also being seen on us. Um, and then this nursing of of people coming at our side in a new way so but it's in the midst of all of this gross darkness that's covering people all over the world and the enemy wants us to focus on it but let's let's don't focus on that let's focus on how god is bringing people into our into our lives and giving us opportunities to nurse people in the amon that's that's what that is rather than focusing on the darkness um and I remember over a year ago, boy, we walked through some, well, I personally, and it wasn't just about the job. It was about the atmospheres that we were walking through were very dark. I'm talking about it was, it was gross darkness. It was like a precursor of what was to come. I didn't know that at the time. But we're going to be put in situations where we're going to be asked to teach, and they're going to be very hostile environments. It's already here, but it's like... We're going to be the one that's like Jesus brought into a situation for a specific purpose and a, and a specific mission and how the enemy's going to try to derail that, but God's going to work it out in the midst of it and he's going to require us to stand in this unpleasant environment as we teach. It's not going to always be you got your cup of coffee and you got this or that. I mean, it's going to be, and, and the two dreams that I had recently were very hostile teaching environments. And no matter what I did to try to get out of it, I was, I, I saw myself, which represented, you know, the evangelistic arm. I was trying to get out of it. I was, and I could not. And I remember after I woke up, I was still in it a little bit. And the, the residue of the dream was like, man, that was so real. And I was trying to look for a place to even get out where I was at that was that was that real so anytime the double dream comes we know that it's something that has being established and so as we go through this this is I know that we're never going to get through it but this is a um, an abbreviated version of lots of verses where teaching is involved so as we go through I want you to think about the atmosphere or the environment in which Jesus himself was teaching and how he responded and how he reacted. So let's look at this first section here. I've just titled this Teaching in the Temple. That sounds almost like a song or something, doesn't it? It says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with a great multitude, look here, how about this? <laughs> swords and staves. <laughs> you know, we haven't had any literal swords and any kind of staves here, but uh, and they're coming from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Um, now he that had betrayed him, now we bring in betrayal. This is the atmosphere. This is the unpleasantness about all of this. Gave them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, 
that same as he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, kissed him, da-da-da. Jesus said unto him, Friend, where art thou come? Then came they, they laid their hands on him and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. They say cut off, smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now, this is the environment that he's in. It's everything but pleasant, right? He didn't have his cup of joe there. He didn't have all his friends there. In fact, one of his friends is now betraying him. So you got, I wonder how that betrayal type of an environment felt. It must have been terrible. And then you've got people with swords there. And stay, I mean, that's really, really wild, isn't it? So uh, the very next words that Jesus says is, Thinkest thou not that I cannot parakaleo to my father? And he will presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. In other words, he said, I could take charge here and I could ask my father to dispatch an innumerable company of angelic hosts to come. But he said, no, he said, the scripture must be fulfilled. Verse you know, 54, in that same hour, said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? He's trying to get people to really think you're treating me like a thief. And he says, I sat daily with you teaching. Dadasco. That's the word that all through here that I pulled to teach on. I, I was doing this in the temple. And you laid no crateo on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Wow. I mean, the disciples just leave him on this again. You'd think considering the, the, the environment that he's in, that all of his buddies and all the disciples want to kind of stay with him. They're, they're, they're fleeing at this point. Everybody's leaving him. But there, there was more details in the dream, but I don't think that's the main point. The main point is I was in the midst of this environment that was totally hostile. I did see people. Uh, some I knew, some I didn't know. Um, so that kind of tells me that we're, we're going to be in situations like this where we're going to know some of the people, but we're not going to know a lot of them. And no matter what happens, no matter what we feel, um, no matter what we sense, God has placed us there and will not take us out until the mission is complete. That might be a day, two days, I don't know. It just that That's kind of what I felt in the dream, and that's what I saw. And... I hope that we're never going to have a, uh, a meeting where there's swords and staves and all, all these different types of things. But we, we are going to have situations down the road. And, and mind you, we don't know the outcome of what's going on currently politically. We have no idea. I know what we want to have happen. And, and, and one of the things that I've been really thinking about is... The enemy, you know, is, is spoken of in Daniel about trying to change the times and the seasons, right? And I think during, the, during this time frame, that is something that's tried to come into play some. But it, whatever happens, God is totally in control, and he is with us, and his plan is upon us, and his glory will be seen in remarkable ways. It's going to be very visible, very prominent, 
People are going to come to our side and ask to, to be nursed by what we've received at the right hand. That's what Isaiah said. And we need to focus on those things and not focus on the darkness because in the midst of it, though, I know it's kind of for me. I don't know what you felt. I can only speak for myself. But for me, over a year ago, I think we walked through a lot of this stuff spiritually and felt it, or at least I did, in, in some of the grossest ways I've ever felt in this whole walk. And now it's like we're walking through it as it's happening, but I don't feel the, the gloominess and the gross darkness quite like I did that led up to it. Even though we, we know, it, it's kind of like the, you know, when the Lord spoke to Abraham and he said, hey, come out here. This is what's going to happen. He told him all that stuff in advance, and it took many years for it to really manifest. I think it's a, we're in that point where things are manifesting that he's led us up to, to this point. Um, so here, here he is, he, and, he, and he's in the temple. He's in a place that's um, uh, a religious place where people are meeting, and um, they're really out to kill him. They think he's a thief. He, he's trying to use some reasoning and going hey i've been doing this in the temple and you never came and used the krateo uh the power from the throne to come and do anything to me um but this is something that has prophetically been spoken of and it must be fulfilled so another principle here is what god says is going to happen there's no changing it so six months from now you might be in india all by yourself teaching and a mob is there. I mean, there are mobs all over the United States right now. We might be in those situations called upon to be a Peter-like voice to stand up and say, hey, this is that. There might be an outpouring of the Spirit, but there also might be an outpouring of doubt and all the other things that are going on. And we're there as the representative to say, this is what God's doing. And it will be very, very contentious and, and hostile and ugh. I don't like that, but I mean, it's good to know that in the midst of that, we've got Yahweh's plan arising on us and his glory being seen upon us. So that's, that's the emphasis. Uh, it's not the hostility and the unpleasantries that are there. It's focus on the plan and focus on the glory of the Lord being seen upon us. That's going to override, and I guess that's kind of maybe what, what we feel or I'm feeling now is I'm feeling the overriding influence of the plan of God and the glory of Yahweh in this. And that makes all the difference in the world. Otherwise, if we didn't have that covering upon us and his spirit in us, I think we would be acting like some of these other crazies out here. We could because that's kind of the, the prevailing gross darkness that's covering the people. And it's happening from the highest. But then in the midst of it, though, you've got the Lord. He's still speaking. And he's still trying to get people to realize, hey, this is really not what's at stake here. Um, whether it's coming through President Trump or some other voices. I mean, we're, we're not really, when we hear voices being spoken, I mean, we should not go, oh, that's coming from Stacey Maston. Or that's coming from Ron Crawford. We should... We should hear the voice of the Lord, and if he can speak through the DA, boy, he can speak through any, anything, right? Okay? And, and with Balaam, and that, that, that there tells me 
God can use any person or any animal. Uh, hi, I'm Mr. Ed. That's so. That's a, that is a hilarious story. Um, so I I, I kind of digress. Luke speaks of this in Luke 19. This says, I taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people, they sought to destroy him. And they couldn't find anything that they could do with him for all the people. Now, this, this is where we need this to come into play. All the people were very attentive. They were hanging on every word that came out of his mouth to hear him. So even in the midst of a destructive environment from the chief priests, the scribes, and the chief of the people, they still couldn't find anything wrong with him, but they were, apt, they, they were bent on trying to destroy what he was doing at that point. And we know that I, I'm, not, I'm not prophesying destruction on us, but there are destroying influences that are out to kill every one of us. If the Lord pulls back the covering, but we don't need to fear. Wherever he places us to teach and wherever he sends us, I don't know where we're going to be in two months, three months, neither do you. We can, I know the Lord's doing some unique things and he's, he's asking us to stand with him no matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like. And um, it's easy to say that now because I'm not there with somebody having swords coming after me. But I, I would like to think that even if that were to happen, that I would be someone and you would be committed no matter what we face. Because remember, and I couldn't find the verse because I really wasn't looking for it, but remember the verse where Jesus is totally surrounded. It was, there, it was totally incapable of him being able to, to bypass, but somehow or another he finagled him way, his way out. That's the kind of thing that the Lord's going to be bringing to all of us. Is if it gets to a point where the mob is going to try to just destroy us, then there will be a supernatural intervention on our behalf, much like it was where the angels came and they they opened up the common prison, the common prison, the very innermost part of the prison, and, and brought deliverance to Peter. That's the kind of thing. And it's because the, the church will be in prayer and prosuke and, and, and interceding for that to happen. So there's just two instances, and it's in the temple. Now, this next one, we are doing this. We've been doing this for a long time. Teaching nations to Terio. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. These are some really interesting words. They weren't just going, well, hey, let's go to this mountain today. Let's go over here. This is a place that had been appointed by the Lord for them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Okay, so you've got a, a proscuneo type of an environment going on, but you've also got this doubt that comes in, wavering about what's actually going on. And Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost teaching or didascoing them to terio all things whatsoever i have commanded you and lo i'm with you always even until the end of the world he's preparing 
his chosen ones as he's getting ready to depart this life. And he's telling them. But in the midst of it, why are they even doubting? I mean, why would doubt even try to come in? Well, look at the content of what he's releasing to them. The enemy's always going to try to engender doubt or unbelief or fear, all kinds of different uh, strategies to try to get people distracted away from the true message of what's going on here. And so he's empowering them and he's telling them, as you go, as you take action, he didn't say sit and then teach, did he? I mean, that's... He said, you go, and as you go, I want you to begin teaching people. How, what, what are we supposed to teach them? Are we supposed to teach them how to sing a great hymn or how to, how to write a great book or, I mean, any of those? No, he said, teach them to terio. That is really interesting. Teach them to, to stay planted where, where I've where I've called them and I've appointed them and have them guard over anything and keep the eye on what I'm doing there and don't let anything be lost. <coughs> That's pretty interesting, isn't it? And he seals it up by saying, uh, amen, and that the origin of that is Hebrew and it means Amon. And he says, this is coming from the right hand of my Father in heaven. Some of his last words that he released... And we are teaching people how to tarry-o. And as we do that, we go to the appointed place, whether it's a mountainside or whether it's a, out in the marketplace, wherever it might be, and we stand and we teach them how to stand and not let the enemy come in and tell them, oh, you're all by yourself. You can't. Uh, all the different things we hear in our minds, we teach them how to tarry-o where they're at. And in... You know, God's been building this thing totally different than any of us ever envisioned. All of us probably thought, hey, man, this place is going to be filled up with people. And it, the dreams and the visions and stuff, he's still fulfilling that. It's just in different ways. And That's okay. Go ahead. But you think in the beginning, they were, everything was so lively and passionate, and and you know we were kind of bowled over by the presence of the Lord, and and really that was what took all of our breath away, and our minds were completely wrapped up in that, and so that's the way we foresaw a move happening was through that bombastic, you know, demonstration of the Spirit. When what He was getting ready to do was absolutely just weak, and it never, it started in the beginning, I mean, the revelation just began, and it was a step-by-step-by-step by step by step development, but it's just funny, in the beginning, you know, he gave us diverse tongues, and those things that he was showing us what we were doing, and I guess, I, I just, you know, we never foresaw the, the things he would reveal to us, I mean, I, it's just, it's mind-blowing to me, when I think about the uh, things that he has used in his scripture to change us and to lead us mm -hmm. through revelation yeah no it, it is it's, it's totally remarkable um i guess that's that's been the beauty of the uh the continuous journey all these years is
also develop yeah, the, because the, the, of the new R&R, &R, the revelation and relationship. Yeah. Rest and refreshing. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Um, I just, I want to go back here just a minute. And I, I didn't, at, about the Terio, um teaching here. There's specifically, he says here, what we need to be teaching. And it says, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I think that's important. What has he commanded us to do in regards to Terio? I think it, it envelops everything, all the revelation, and that's a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're, we're living that principle, and we're teaching all nations to be able to do the same thing. Um, and here in just a minute, I mean, it should not be a foreign concept for the church, but in a lot of ways it is. I mean, the way that he's taught all of us and led us, like you were saying, Stacy, is... Um, it's 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 miraculous and and there has been mountaintop experiences there's been valleys there's been ups there's been downs there's been curves i mean there's been everything that imaginable but that was part of the journey that was part of our our learning but as we teach people to terio it's always founded on what he's commanded us to do from the scripture not from experience from the scripture and, and that's always been something that pastor has always done and he's always taught, always encouraged. If it's not in the scripture, it's not happening here, right? And everything that we do, whether people understand it or not, and that's another thing. If people are still thinking like an infant in an immature way, they're not going to get some of these things. We're talking about strong meat is for people that are mature. And maturity comes through age experience um and i it, that's just kind of the way it happens and the lord has really really taught us deep things of his spirit and and paul wrote about that but he, he talked about the deep things the bathos there's no end to it it's endless but everybody thinks they have everything all lined out and Instead of 16, we might have 17 fundamental truths this year. So, um, I mean, really, I'm, it, it's just craziness. How can, how can you take the bathos and put limitations on it? it it's endless. Uh, he's limitless. Um, and I'm, I, I'm, really, I'm really glad for that because, you know, you think about, you just think about everything that he's taught you on a personal level about who he is. It's remarkable. It really is. And so we have that opportunity. And we, what we're teaching, we've lived. We still live Terio, right? It's not like Terio doesn't apply anymore. We still stand in the midst of, of, of darkness covering the earth and gross darkness to people and feeling that, okay? We've walked that out. Well, if, if I were to ask everybody in this room, and it's okay. We experience things in a different way. There's different. It's based on our calling, based on our on walk. But I don't want gross darkness is not that great to feel, <laughs> much less to see them. Anything that's going on out in the spirit, it it just. I don't. 
It's part of our walk. We discern both good and evil. You can't turn off. Oh, Lord, I'm turning on. I'm discerning all callos today, boy. Now, you don't have, we don't have control over that. We can cultivate that, but if he says, I'm going to show you callos, but I'm going to show you also the kakos with it. So there's a new form of KK. Not, the, not K cubed, but K squared. <laughs> I'm just saying, we, this is not something new for us, but again, I'm looking at this because I know I, I'm reflecting a lot about things that have happened in the past and how God would always prophetically tell us, whether it's corporately or on an individual scale, what's to come. But while it was happening, I was just so caught up in the moment, I couldn't go... Oh, my God. And then six months later, it's like, okay, there it is. Doom, doom, doom. And now I'm able to function, whereas before when I was walking through it, I was like all over the map sometimes. <laughs> well, that's kind of the way I felt. And we're in, a, we're in a time frame where things are still rocky. Things are still very unpleasant and hostile, and, uh, but we still stand. We still terio. And what we're learning now, we're going to be disseminating out and sharing and teaching with people many many months down the road that's going to be very beneficial and nursing to them because it's come from the right hand the Amon. so this next one this one here is something that we need we really need to pray that rises up in in people um and, and leaders sheep without a shepherd mark 6 and the apostles gathered themselves together into jesus and told and told him all things Behold what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. <laughs> that just seems kind of weird, doesn't it? These guys are, the apostles have, have just done all these great things and, they're, and they've done all this teaching. And you think maybe they're wondering, Hey, could you give us a little feedback here? You know, Jesus, let us. And he says, uh, go, 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 go into the desert place. First thing he says. And I'm like, okay. And then, and then he says, rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as time to eat. And they departed into the desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and they ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people. And he was moved with compassion. The uh, splachnizomai there. And pastors taught a lot about that and written a lot about it. The inner, the, the, the inner parts of the, um, the spleen, you know, and all the, the different things there. I can't teach that near as well as he did. But the, on the inside of the Lord... There's certain parts of him that are moved when he saw these people. And why? What was it that caused him to be moved on the inside? Because they, they were like sheep not having a poiman, not having a shepherd. So when he sees that, what does he begin to do? So important for us to see. He starts teaching. And it says he didn't teach them a few things. He said many things he starts to teach them. And this is not necessarily a, I, I put this as a, um, you know, I said let's look at the unpleasant 
kind of teaching environment, well, it's kind of unpleasant to look at people and to feel like they don't have somebody necessarily to be able to lead them as a poiman, right? And so that's kind of the, the environment a little bit. But he could have done so many other things. It doesn't say he saw all these people and was, was moved with compassion and decided he was going to go up and, hey, man, let me give you $50 here. He, he didn't wrap his arms around him and hug him, right? No, none of that. What does he do? Didasco. He starts speaking to them about instructing them about the purpose. Of, uh, Didasco is, a, is, is, is speaking of purpose. And he's teaching them. That's so important. That's why there's been such a major emphasis here on teaching. Not just a few things, but many things. We're following his pattern. Just really important. So I'm, I'm believing that, that men and women that are called to be sons, especially in a, in a poem and a way, will, the Lord will begin to do something on the inside of them and move them in this compassion way to where they will begin to reach out and start teaching them the things that are more purpose-laden for this time and this day and for the people. Those are the things that move the inner workings of the heart of God towards his people. That, that's incredible to me. It really is. And I know that it's just amazing how I see us doing this over and over again, repeatedly. I know I shouldn't say that that way. I should just say repeatedly. It's the same thing. <laughs> but for emphasis. Right. Right. It's kind of like Elijah, you know, he outran the chariot, right? <laughs> uh. you know, I wonder, Mark, if that place of rest um, is in a wilderness place, which doesn't necessarily mean desert, it just really means a place that's undeveloped. Mm -hmm. It tells them to rest uh, just so lightly. I mean, in some ways, this season has caused, from a ministry standpoint, we've, just, we've stayed busy, but we've kind of been resting in certain way. You know, mm. At least from the standpoint of the things that we had planned and yeah. we were going to do, it's like, stop. And I wonder if that's not kind of a pattern for, um, for the people that are going to be coming Mm -hmm. From a different standpoint, though, you know, that some of it's going to be more antagonistic, but I think, I, I wonder if that's not the rest, quote-unquote, we've been knowing over this past year, if it's not setting us up for this influx. So it's going to be positive, but it's also going to be contested. Yeah, 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 that's, that's kind of... That's kind of how the dream went. So you see the both combinations. You see people that I, I didn't see specific faces in this. I just knew I did. This had a uh, that that sense of knowing that they, they they were people with us. But then you had the uh, the others that were hostile towards the message. Um, doesn't make for a pleasant teaching environment. But I mean, we're already seeing it. It's, that's the pattern. Um, look at this one. But no, that's a, that's a good point. Teaching about suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. 
Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Who do men say that I am? Very important because it's, this is speaking about uh, his identity as, as the son. And they answered, John the Baptist. <laughs> but some say Elias. And others say one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And out of all them, Peter stands up and he says, or he, Peter answers and says, You are the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And at that point, he began to didasco them. And so what was the very content of the didasco teaching? That the Son of Man's going to suffer. He's going to be rejected by mature elders, people that should be operating in maturity, and the chief priests and the scribes. And he's going to be killed, but in three days, there's going to be a resurrection. I'm going to rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. This is kind of what we would, and the church tends to want to do. Whenever the Lord's saying things about suffering and rejection, oh, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. No, we can't rebuke what God's saying is going to happen. <laughs> That's just Whenever things get where they're unpleasant, we are so prone, just as humans, to want to say, get me out of this now. <laughs> That's just the way we are. And he's like, no, I want you to stay in it. This is part of my plan. This is part of my mission. And I'm modeling for you the way you should do it. So Peter starts to rebuke him. And when he had turned him about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get thee behind me. Satan, for you, you're not saving the things that are of Theos, but things that are of man. So now you've got a satanic influence that's there <laughs> in an environment where the, the release of the revelation of sonship has just been spoken, then Satan comes. I mean, it's just, that's the way he works. And so I guess at this point, we know that there will be suffering, Nobody likes it, but don't focus on the suffering and the rejection or the death. Focus on what? The resurrection that's going to come out of all of it. Yep. Well, you know, the thing that, that stands out to me in this scenario is that you have Jesus with his closest folks, and one of his closest folks, folks rebuked the plan. Right. Yep. The, one of his closest people said, didn't see the plan, couldn't see what God was doing. He and when it talks about, you know, savoring the things of this world, you know, that's being caught up in the world opinion as opposed to having that perspective that can only come from the throne, and which we know we can only keep if we are in communion with the Father. But I think that even, you know, we know these disciples, they were following Jesus, they were with him the whole time, they were trying to do everything that they were teaching, but they still didn't always have it going on. They, and it even says in the scripture that Jesus didn't let them see what was going on sometimes. He didn't right. let them understand what he was telling them sometimes. He mm -hmm. kept them in the dark. So there's going to be a lot of scenarios, but we have to recognize that we're all going to be faced with this scenario where even those who we rely upon or that at least are part of our company that we're working with may not always see the thing that God is doing, and you can't be influenced by that. You still have to pursue what you know the plan of the Lord is. Yep. 
And it goes back to what Jesus, whatever he's commanded us. <laughs> that's what we do, right? I mean, and it... It's not going to look right because no one would have expected for this to happen to Jesus. So it's mm -hmm. not going to look like it's okay. The enemy's going to look like he's winning or prevailing or having his way at times. Well, I mean, you, you see how this is a conundrum for Peter. I mean, he, I, he, and even all the other religious leaders of the day. I mean, every, every grouping, they, they, they all had an idea of what the Messiah was going to be like anyway, right? Triumphal and uh, suffering. What? No. And, but then you do have some that were like, um, you know, Nicodemus. You know, initially he wasn't sure, but eventually he came around to realize that he was the Messiah and be born of water and of the spirit he, he didn't get it and so all of that stuff is going to happen every bit of it and we're going to have people that are going to be with us and 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 that whole nursing at our side is going to be the thing that's going to kind of keep us moving and going forward as long as we focus on the Amman and what he's saying at the right hand and we're actively doing it continually and we're teaching people how to do it that's going to that's going to keep us reinvigorated and moving forward and not being destroyed. Because the enemy, he, he wants us to, in the midst of it, he wants to say, oh, see there, you're going to suffer a lot. I'm gonna, you're going to be rejected. And he'll have you focus on that. And, but no, well, what, we're gonna be, there's going to be a resurrection that's coming too in three days. And I wonder how much of that last part that they held on to. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't say, but I wonder... Did they focus more on the suffering message? Did they focus more on the rejection or just kind of what was going on in their head? And so if I kind of really apply that to me, they're just like us. I, I probably would, I focused on negative things a lot, but then the Lord would always. I didn't think it was possible that he would be killed. Right. They did not see that outcome for him. And is this the same passage, the same little story where Jesus then prays for Peter and says the enemy's trying to sift you as we? Is this what comes after this? All of that's interconnected. It's part of it. So, I mean, we, we have to recognize in other passages. that we're going to be sifted as wheat. I mean, the enemy is going to be trying to sift us as wheat. You know, and the people among us, we're all in that preparatory. I mean, all that's part of how we, because it says after, you know, you are sifted as wheat and you overcome, you're going to. You're going to strengthen the brethren, right? right. There's so coming there's a, a strengthening. Yep. we go through this process, but in the midst of part of the process, it doesn't look very good for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely feel well, the we, sifting part. Well, we still have to overcome, <laughs> but some people are overcome, though. Some people don't overcome. They're overcome by the sifting. I think right. we've seen that. Yeah, and true. I, I mean, there there's times where I, there's, I'm a, I'll be honest with you, there's times where I felt like I was overcome. I, I, I felt like I was overcome or at the, at the, on the verge, but then... There was an overcoming, but it wasn't anything that I did other than going, Lord, there's no way I can get through this myself. I feel like I'm being over, overcome, overtaken, overrun, but then his spirit would help overcome. So, yeah, we, and Daniel speaks of uh, that that's going to happen. I mean, he prophesied that I, I just pray it's none of us where we're overcome to the point where we're totally destroyed. Um, and well, a lot of that is human reaction. And uh, if you love someone, you don't want to see them suffer. 
if you love someone, you don't want to see them killed. And yeah. they're, they're, so they're saying, no, no. It, it's truly uh, because they loved him. Uh, and I'm wondering if Peter was just the only one who said it. The yeah, the others, the others were thinking it. He was the bold one that said it. He was the bold you have that today, what today too. Was thinking, that's what I, what I think. So, um, in, in the reverse, though, uh, later, as a matter of fact, kind of at the same time, no, later, we're skipping the timelines here, mm -hmm. but much later, uh, Judas was not concerned about what was happening to Christ. He was concerned about what was happening to him and his plan. And uh, there we see the whole scope of human existence there. That we will, we will love someone and not want to see them suffer. And then the other guy who is thinking only of himself. Yeah. What happens to me if that happens to him? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I was supposed to be, you know, in charge of the treasury, <laughs> and that treasury is going to be huge. So, no, that's I don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. And and uh, we see it all, and and from that time we've seen it in every generation in the history of the church, and even now where the money's involved. See all of those human emotions being played out among the people, and um, it's what we, I guess what I'm saying is what we read, what we understand about what happened in that day. We need to apply it to what's happening today. Absolutely, yeah. Good points. Thank you for sharing. Um, let's look at this next one. We've got about 10 minutes left. Um, teaching about prosciutto prayer. This, this, is, this is pretty remarkable. And they, they come to Jerusalem, Mark 11, 15 through 19. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple, and he began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man carry any vessel through the temple. And he didascoed, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be kaleoed of all nations, the house of Proshuke? But you have, called, you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priest heard it, and they sought how they might destroy him. So there's the connective of the hostile, unpleasant environment being very destructive, but it's connected back to prosciutto prayer. Why would anyone, I know there's other things here, but why would anyone want to destroy this type of prayer? I like the way Jesus went in and started kicking butt, and then he started to teach. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He really did. He turned everything upside down, inside out, right side, however you want to say it. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he, he was really trying to get people to see visibly. We don't see this anymore. 
inappropriate activities that were going on in his house and trying to set it straight and go, you don't need to be involved in any of these things here, but you need to be focusing on my house has been kaleo. There's a calling attached to it. And this is for every house where people are meeting, whether it's in a building or whether it's in a house out in the middle of the street in Brazil like they do. It needs to be focusing on this prosciutto type of prayer. In every place you have that, then you've got enemy opposition like the scribes and Pharisees, chief priests coming to try to absolutely destroy that. That's sad. But, you know, you think about many years ago uh, when, this, when everything first started happening here. A lot of people were on board, but then a lot of people were like, man, you guys are praying too much. What? Jesus said, that's what my house is called to do, right? But, I mean, we, are, we had it in our heads. Think, we, we thought, well, prayer looks a certain way, right? It's where, you know, you've got, you know, pardon my expression, but there's, you've got a pallet full of prayer requests here, and you just kind of lay your hands on it and pray two minutes, and, you, oh, that's a house of prayer, right? I mean, we had our own idea what that meant. But the enemy focuses on this. And then Luke describes this in Luke 11, 1 through 4. Uh, I'm not going to touch on these too much because pastor's written a lot more on this. But it, it, it bears, bears witness to try to look at it. And it came to pass that as he was pro entering into Proshukamai, in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to Proshukamai, as John also taught his disciples. And he said, when you start to engage in Proshukamai, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as, and so is it, it, excuse me, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So these guys were so impacted by the Proshukamai prayer that was offered through Jesus, they themselves turned to him when he, had, when he had stopped and said, hey, teach us how to do this. John also taught this, but we're seeing you do it before. Wow. I mean, we're, we're engaging in this in the spirit, and it's just as real today as it was then, but they were physically there with him. I wonder, that, that must have been one of the most incredible prayer encounters on the planet. It was very impactful, right? Because we know that they felt compelled to go, hey, teach us how to do this. It was profound, and it impacted them in a major way. That's the type of, of prayer that is within us that's going to be that's contagious. And it focuses in on our Father. It focuses in on heaven. It focuses in on uh, a regular day-by-day -day release of, of bread, provision, and revelation. And it focuses on of, of the forgiveness of being able to miss the mark. And it focuses on not taking us into temptation, but bringing us into points 
of deliverance from anything that might be evil. That's a pattern, but so many churches, I even, and I'm not being rude here, but so many people think, oh, we just need to recite this, right? And they just kind of go through the, whatever that is. I can't even do it. I don't even know how to do it right. <laughs> but that's what they do, and it really misses the true power and meaning of what this is. It's a pattern of prayer. So well, let's let's do just a quick um, recap. So we've talked a lot about the environment where he's teaching being. Uh, there's betrayal involved. There's people that are trying to kill him, destroy him. Uh, on the negative side, you've got people that are very attentive to what he's saying, hanging on every word that comes out of his mouth. We need to really believe for that in the midst of teaching. In, 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 a, in, a, in an unpleasant atmosphere. Um, you've got scribes and Pharisees that are just out to absolutely destroy everything he's doing. You've got a major emphasis on uh, the release of prosuke and prosukamai type of prayer. And we don't even really have time to go into, you know, a lot of the teaching that took place on the Sabbath. I mean... I'll just mention uh, one here. Um, he he come, In Luke 4, he goes into a city of Galilee and he's teaching on the Sabbath day. People are astonished by the doctrine that he's releasing to them. There's a man that has a spirit of, it says that of an unclean devil is crying out in the midst of it. Um, so he's in the midst of a synagogue place and there's the demonic atmosphere that's there. So you got that that coming into play. You got you got where he would do miracles. The guy's withered hand just springs back out, and the religious people are filled with madness that that happened because it happened on the Sabbath day. You know, growing up as a kid, you know, the Sabbath day to me was you couldn't do anything because it was a day of rest. That day of rest was so alloyed with the way we think. <laughs> just lay down and sleep all afternoon, right? Well, how did mom had meal cooked? For, I mean, she worked harder than anybody else on that day cooking the meal. So that's work, right? So you can't. So we really had it all messed up. And in my head, as as a kid, I didn't think I could. I didn't think I could hunt on Sunday. I didn't think I could do anything on Sunday other than go to church. Sleep all afternoon. I, I didn't think I'd go out in the yard and play catch. Because it was work. And was that really what he's saying here? And, and is he really trying to damn people for doing other things outside of resting? And we found through the years that resting is not quite the same way we identify it. He has no need of rest like we do. So what does it mean that God rested on the Sabbath day? <laughs> You see how, I mean, it, it may, it's, it's humorous now when I think of it, but I, that's all I was taught growing up. And I'm not ridiculing my parents. I'm just saying, wow, you have so much human thinking into these terms because that's just kind of where we are. Well, how do I associate rest? Well, I lay down and go to sleep and I'm tired, right? God never... He's not weary. He doesn't need rest. What's so interesting is I think that the, the, the Lord 
they he only released the revelation that he wanted really people to see. So unfortunately that you know that was part of what the time that they had to live in. But because of that, men extrapolated their own they projected their own experience of yeah. God to and like you said, they they took the King James Version or whatever version they had as that was the only thing they had. They really didn't know how to to look at the Hebrew and the Greek and to see what anything meant. They just and, took the word at face value. Yeah, and, and and two, I mean, to to enter into the rest and refreshing that Isaiah prophesied about that is something we had to experience before we knew what rest really was yeah, so and refreshing. <laughs> so it's kind of like what the favorite of the children of Israel, you know. <laughs> you know, we we're all frail, and we only understand what we're given to understand. That's the that's the thing. We really don't have. I mean, other than a willing heart, we don't have any control over the revelation that the Lord allows us to have. So I have to, in deference to knowing that they. I mean, I hate that they live so blindly. I, mean, that's I did. I mean, it was it was the, it was the gospel truth, boy. And if you deviated from it, they were going to tell you about it. And I never understood even the, even as a young boy. I'm like, well, what's, what's wrong, wrong with that? that? <laughs> I mean, I didn't have an understanding of it. I just, just knew that. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Any any type of movement we do could be considered work. I mean, just getting out of bed a lot of times, even right now as I get older, is a lot of work, right? <laughs> I mean, so you can't, but that's kind of, the Sabbath to them was, he was totally revolutionizing everything. I mean, like, like we talked about earlier, and I know we're running out of time, but the, the idea of a suffering Messiah that would be killed, and, and then, that just was not on their radar. It was nowhere near that at all. So, I don't, I'm not real quick to, I don't, I don't want to be quick to judge because there's so many times, and I've already mentioned a bunch of it, where, you know, walking through gross darkness over a year ago, I had no idea, a frame of reference, that that would be coming and be, be covering people and covering a lot of our government of official. I mean, really, people don't even realize that they're functioning in a gross darkness that's covering them. So... Um, you know these, this, but these things, these principles are very much alive with where we're at. So um, I think I'm done. Um, but just you know, if you're in a situation, and I know our, our our teaching mode is different now, but remember, our teaching doesn't end when I stop here. It goes on. I mean, it goes across the internet. You're teaching the same way, pastors' teachings. So we have no idea of knowing. Who gets the message once it's put out there? So we're going to have people that are going to be nursing at our side, and others are going to be ready just to destroy us. So anyway, I hope there was uh, some encouragement here. Go back and look through the rest of these because um, there's a lot more. So at any rate, I am, I am done. Dennis, do you?